Hey, welcome back to the Houdat Jedi podcast. And sitting around my table, as always, in the heart of Gentilly is uh, Dave and Fredo. Everybody say hi. Hello. Hi. And my name is Aaron. Um, so, yeah, we're uh, going to be... Our last episode, we did a lot of talking about um, the Rise of Skywalker, and we're going to continue that tonight. Um, and we're going to be uh, kind of talking about a little bit about... Uh, Old Sheev himself. We were just talking about how Palpatine got his first name, and Sheev is just kind of a dumb weird. name. It's I, a weird name. You know, that's old man, old man Swoboda. You know, talking about Star Wars. It's like some of these names are just kind of dumb. Uh, it's like names of planets. You know, they just get kind of dumb. I love that once that name got established as being canon, it started appearing everywhere. Everyone started referring to him as a Sheev. Well, you know a what. Back in my day, it wasn't Palpatine. It was the, the Emperor. Emperor. You know, Palpatine came to be just in some book that was written after that as well. So Was that the same thing that happened to um, Anakin? Well, because Anakin, that's his Anakin, name. Anakin's name is dropped in Return of the Jedi. Right, right. But what, yeah. where did he know? And I know that that comes from the original script when it was Anakin, yeah. uh, Starkiller, some kind. So. I don't know. And it was weird. That they we just need to get George Lucas on this podcast. If we offer him beer, maybe he'd join us, you know. Anyway, um, so we'll be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about uh, things that maybe were uh, kind of hyped in the uh, in the marketing and kind of hyped in you know, some of the panels that they did at Comic-Con. I guess they didn't do it at Comic-Con, but D23 and at uh, so, Celebration that maybe uh, didn't pay off or did pay off or could they have paid off a little bit better? I don't know. So uh, we're going to be talking about those things. Um, so it's basically just three guys rambling about uh, Star Wars and and drinking beer. But Fredo's not drinking beer. He's drinking Diet Coke. So uh-huh. he's the designated driver tonight. Uh, Trying try to go clean for January. There you go. That's tough because we're in playoffs and Carnival starts in, in about, what, three days now? Or four well, days. Officially, Carnival starts January 6th. So yeah. Yeah, but the parade season doesn't really start till about... February eighth with Crudevu. Oh, so look at you, you planned well. That's look, look Super Bowl, Crudevu. Then we're into Mardi Gras. That's serious drinking season. So, you know, got to save the liver some kind of way. <laughs> we, we sound like we have problems here, but anyway, um, as always, we start off with some Star Wars saga trivia, and I don't think any one of us has missed a question yet, right? I, I missed one like the very first go around. I mixed up Logre and Chief Chirpa. Oh, and, and I couldn't you know, remember the Camino ones. And I think I don't know if I mentioned it on air. The last one, I've actually shared a beer with um, the guy who played Logre. I did mention that. That's yeah. because I was talking about Admiral Oslin, Admiral Piet. Yep, mm-hmm. that was kind of fun. Um, we both drank Bud Light, so that was back in the my my bad beer drinking days. So <laughs> I've since fixed that problem. Yeah. So all right, I'm going to start this one off, and this will go to Fredo. Um, and, uh, let's see here. What building is sufficiently forbidding to prompt C-3PO to ask, are you sure this is the right place? <laughs> Let um, people think about it. Yeah, I'm going to give people at least a moment to visualize when it happened. And, um, uh, the answer I would imagine is Jabba's palace. It is Jabba's palace. It <laughs> is. Which I was wondering, it's like, okay, the right address, is there an address book on Tatooine? And how do you how do you mix up Jabba's Palace? Like if you're delivering, like if you're Amazon delivery guy and you're dropping off a package there versus across the street. Yeah. yeah that doesn't happen. So like Obi-Wan Kenobi's house <laughs> is like next door to Jabba's Palace or right. something. 
<laughs> your next door neighbor, you know, he's the one stealing all your all your Christmas packages. Uh, okay, Dave. What imperial officer? I'm gonna try to bring it all in right now. What imperial officer quietly expresses his disdain for the bounty hunters entertained by Lord Vader? I think that's Admiral Piet. That's right. It is. And he says, "Bounty hunters, we don't need that type of scum." And the but the best line that ever in like most Star Wars movies that that's the response when he says, "Bounty hunters, we don't need their scum." And the one guy goes, "Yes, sir." That's <laughs> <laughs> just that's perfect. It's just a it, it, it's just a total throwaway line that is just like you know it's just funny as all hell because it's like you know yeah the boss says we don't need their scum. Yeah. yeah you're right you know yeah the older i got the more i appreciated that as i started you know working. there's i never noticed this in a, a podcast pointed out, actually it was the star wars underworld podcast pointed it out um when they were going through they're just doing a live reaction to they're watching empire strikes back and just they're having a conversation about the movie which maybe we can steal that idea one day just watching the movie and just having a conversation about it um but um it's when at the very end of Empire, when um, you know they make their way into hyperspace, and Vader. First, of all, I always loved how Vader looks out the window, and then he looks over his shoulder, and then he looks back out the window. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he's wearing a mask, but he has that "what the hell." And then Hello. as he as he walks out of the bridge, there's one guy right by the door. He's like looking at his data pad. And as Vader walks by him, then he just kind of looks over his shoulder. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things like, oh. Everybody's like, oh, shit. Yeah, is he gone? You know, type of, it's, and it is. It's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets into what Irvin Kirshner said. He goes, he needed humor in that movie without gags. So some of those throwaway lines were just kind of, and those reactions were kind of funny. So I digress. Dave, ask me a question. All right. So this card, uh, I get a lot of easy questions, a lot of difficult Difficult questions. Would you rather have easy or difficult? I'll go for it. Whatever. Okay. How many times does Jango Fett drop his blaster in Kamino while battling Obi-Wan Kenobi? Oh, my goodness. I told you. They're hard or easy. How many times (laughs) does he drop his blaster in the battle? I'm going to say none. The answer is twice. I thought so. I missed one, man. There's at least once where I recall the the blaster like bounces Mm -hmm. into like a crevice and he has to. And doesn't he drop it the second time when they're fighting on the rooftop? Yeah, when he kicks him, maybe right, very very end of the fight. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, good thing we're not keeping a tally on this one, but Fredo's perfect, and Dave and I apparently each have a miss. No, so. I miss the, right? the Camino ones. All right, we each so. have a miss at this point. Okay, so um, yep, you kids can play along. Um, there was one in here, and it's kind of it's very interesting that uh, who had the call sign of of uh, Red Three in the Death Star run in wasn't New it Hope. Biggs? It was Biggs. Yeah. Okay. So, but the what's interesting about that is that the X-Wing that came out in 1978 or whatever, when they released the toy, the X-Wing has red three on it. And everybody says that's Luke Skywalker's X-Wing. So a lot of people probably miss that correlation. So anyway, I digress again. So anyway, so that's our trivia. And uh, so let's get back into the rise of Skywalker. And uh, we're going to start talking about Palpatine. 
and apparently that just made my dogs really mad that we're talking about Palpatine <laughs> yeah. um, or somebody's invading. Oh, well, Britt will take care of it. Um, so a couple things I just want to say, because we're, we're it, basically, I think the gist of the, with the conversation we're going to have is why is he in this movie? Was he needed in this movie? Um, uh, so, yeah, we're going to try to make ourselves better than, you know, any of the directors or writers or anything like that and say we know more. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I think one of the things that I, I think another thing we need to talk about is how he was used in this movie. And one of my big criticisms right off the bat was, and I think it would have been a nice, again, rhyming to the Phantom Menace because he is the Phantom Menace, you know, Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine, Sheev, whatever you want to call him. But if they would have made it a little more ambiguous as to whether or not the Emperor is actually back. Now, the trailer, first trailer, you get the Emperor's cackle, and everybody at Celebration went, oh my God. And then he comes out. <laughs> you know, and he came out and he said, wrote it again. You know, but anyway, so, but that didn't mean. Even up to the release, you know, our, talking to our friend Scott, he was like, you don't know if Emperor is actually going to be back as a person or if it's going to be a ghost or if mm -hmm. it's just going to be a memory or right. what. And I think one of my things, I wish they would have made it more ambiguous until the third act that, yep, there's the Emperor. But instead, in the crawl, it's a, the dead speaks and basically the Emperor's back. And then right away... You know, we get the montage of, you know, Kylo going to get the Wayfinder and stuff like that. And then now he's talking to the Emperor face to face. So there's like, what, what is it? What movie is it from? So it's not ambiguous. It's big. Oh, it's actually from Big Bang Theory. It's not mm -hmm. ambiguous. It's ambiguous. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's he's there. So we're like, all right. You know, I, I think it would have been a little bit more interesting if it would have been. Is he back or isn't he back throughout this whole movie? I think it's a double-edged sword because I think you can do such a thing as bring him back too early, but you could also bring him back too late. And I remember some people talking about it um, prior to the film um, and, and just like debating like, is that if you bring the emperor back, how late in the runtime is too late? Because we all kind of know he's back and we all want to see him. So if they had delayed that gratification into like, I don't know, the last 20 minutes of the film and it had been like meant revealed as, as a big reveal at that point, look, he's back surprise. Well, all the marketing had already told us that he was coming back. So that would have been a gigantic fail. Well, um, again, I think you can take the marketing out of it. Let's just, you know, mm, just, you to, can't just actually. well, but, but I mean, in hindsight, yeah, you can't. But I'm saying that if it's if you're going to develop the story, I'm just talking about from the mm -hmm. story writing process. Is it more interesting to have him from the get go, right out the gate? There's the emperor, without and and by the way, a criticism without any exposition whatsoever. Oh, so how he came back? It's just we we have to you know we just have to accept the fact that the emperor is there. You know, too bad, so sad. What you saw in Return of the Jedi, you know. Me being a Star Wars nerd and, you know, and everything like that, I could start drawing some conclusions of, you know, how this went all to be. But, you know, I agree with Fredo and what he just said. It's like you can't take the marketing out of it because they had to get people in the theaters. Right. Well, 
The and, reason I say you can't bring it up is actually because I went looking for the opening crawl, what the actual crawl says, and then find out, okay, so the crawl goes, the dead speak, the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. Do you know where the mysterious broadcast was apparently made? Fortnite, the video game. Uh, apparently, during, the, uh, during an event in the video game, they had the Star Wars characters kind of invade the video game. And in the middle of that, there was the broadcast of Emperor Palpatine's voice saying he's coming back to take revenge. See, I was like I'm just mad way. again. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm getting mad again. So, so what I'm saying, marketing couldn't have been taken but, away yet. But again, it could, again you could have, mm-hmm. in writing this story, um, you could have still made it, maybe that is, you know, somebody imitating his voice maybe it is you know a recording that he made before he died maybe it was maybe again maybe it's a ghost like i said maybe but making it a little bit more ambiguous at least through i agree with you you can't just you know make it a third act but i think you probably could would that bait and switch have driven you insane because it would have but what what it's just if you get you hear the laugh so he's involved somehow Mm -hmm. i mean when i saw that at celebration that didn't tell me that he was going to be a flesh and blood character in the movie. That it just said the emperor was going to be involved somehow. And so I so what I'm saying is that when you do you just bring him out of the gate, it kind of added to that, you know, herky jerkiness of of the movie as well. I, part of me was thinking, you know, we we keep referencing uh, George Lucas' famous line of how these movies rhyme with one another. Because Force Awakens, the whole plot is finding Luke Skywalker. It is the quest by both the First Order and the Resistance to find the last known Jedi. And so they have to go find the piece of the map, and they have to dissect it, and they have to go try to find him. So in some ways, you could have done something to, you know, Rise of Skywalker does something similar, where they're trying to find the Sith Wayfinder, and they're trying to find the piece of how do they, you know, how do they get to Exegol, and how do they stop the Emperor. So there's something similar to it there. I think it doesn't necessarily have to be till the third act. You could have delayed it a bit till the second act, because thinking back of the other characters, I love the idea that Kylo Ren's response to the Emperor might be back is not, yay, we got more Sith. You know, we you know, I can learn from my from my grandfather's master. I've I've idolized Darth Vader, this is the guy I want to be. His response is, Oh no, you're coming to take what I've got and I gotta fight you. And that's an interesting response from a villain for me. Because it's not a it's not the oh we're we're all Sith, you know, go team Sith. It's it's very much a rejection of a potential threat to him. Yeah, but he didn't hold on to that very long because then it was just pretty soon the emperor just said, "He's in charge." <laughs> you know, yeah, go go kill the scavenger. You know, from a certain point of view, uh, <laughs> I think like we talked about last episode a little bit about how Ben either worked or didn't work for us in this movie, and um, for me it worked because I went first viewing i'm like what's going on here second viewing i I watched it with the perspective of ben's intending to betray him from the very moment that he meets him um and he sees ray as his path um and again you can interpret that as being romantic interest or you can see it as being him she's the person that i would rather rule with or utilize in this scenario rather than this crazy undead being who's like in front of me like 
speaking zombie well, nonsense. Because uh, watching the movie the second time, the first thing that kind of struck me is when um, Palpatine's talking to Kylo Ren and his primary command is to kill Rey. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, why, why are you telling him to kill Rey if you're... If your ultimate goal requires Ray, you know, why were you telling? And part of, and then I started thinking, is this him manipulating Kylo Ren? Or is he? Uh, probably, Attempt- it probably most certainly is. But it's the idea of, I know you're not going to kill her. In fact, you're going to go out of your way to try to do something to draw her to your side, bringing her here. So we've, we've, we've uh, taken us on a tangent here because mm-hmm. now I'm going to start, you know, going over. Because I think part of the things we want to talk about. Palpatine was how was he used and mm-hmm. did he need to be in we'll get to that question did he need to be in this you know movie movie um but here's one of my problems okay so and again this there was a lot of there was a lot of retconning done you know from last Jedi to you know Rise of Skywalker so Snoke was Palpatine's voice right and spirit basically right if we're if i'm getting that right because snoke we saw a couple snokes in formaldehyde um but my problem there is that and it was one of my problems in the last jedi it was how did snoke not know that kylo was going to kill him you know because even the emperor in return of the jedi said you know you want to kill me don't you yeah i can tell you want to kill me He, he knew everything you know he was and so how did he not know that Kylo was going to slice him in half? Was he that easily duped that, you know, and it's Kylo that good to say, I'm just turning a lightsaber and I'm going to go after my enemy, you know, the air quotes it's, here. And then, so then we get to, you know, the rise of Skywalker and he's saying, you know, I'm wondering if you're going to betray me, you know, and the emperor knew that you're right. The emperor knew that Kylo Ren had it in his mind that I'm going to betray the emperor. You know, so he's Perhaps manipulating the him. Snoke experience informed that, though, that knowledge. Like, he knew at that point, after what happened in Last Jedi, that Ben would be committed to this connection that he had with Rey over everything else. Yeah. But I guess uh, two things. First of all, I was thinking as, I'm, as I see the two Snokes and Formalaha, it's like, how bad must those be if the creepy looking guy that we eventually got is the actual guy who made it out geez i mean you know it's, yeah. it's a cloning really, technology really that screwed awful. up with these two yeah i mean i mean god you know what what, what were they missing were they missing limbs was, was there something wrong All right so let's but, get, but oh, go ahead. no but no, no i was gonna say the other thing that made me that i was kind of thinking is i don't necessarily know that he's manipulating i don't think it's kind of like a meat puppet that Palpatine is manipulating i thought it was okay he created this being to kind of act as him where without him leaving Exegol, uh, so Snoke was out doing what he's supposed to be doing because uh, Palpatine says, I'm the voice in your head. So clearly he had command of some kind, but he might also gone like, look, Snoke is disposable to me. It's, I can, I, you know, I got vatfuls of the dude. I can make more of him anytime I want. So losing him, it might've been more important for him to see where Kylo goes. Again, all of this is unsaid and it's all now, presumptions on my part. But to, to all the 40 year olds out there and anybody else who are like really losing their minds over the fact that there are loopholes in this movie. Oh, yeah. There are loopholes throughout the entire Star Wars saga. Get over yourself, That's, including myself. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things, but one of the things, and this, maybe this is a topic for another day. 
but I wonder if there let's let's write in some of these loopholes so that we can write more books and comic books and make more oh, yeah. money. You know, that's the cynical part of me. But anyway, so let me let's get into this. Um, why is he here? Does do, actually I'm not why? Well, maybe instead of why is he here? Could the rise of Skywalker have existed as a movie without Palpatine? Let's Snoke is dead. Can you move on? To, and we can get into what Chris Terrio said here in a minute, but can you move on to a movie? Can you see a movie? Let's forget it for a second. Let's forget about what Chris Terrio said, the writer of Rise of Skywalker. Can you write a movie uh, that gets Kylo Ren redeemed, Ray winning overall, um, without the Emperor being involved in this movie? Can I you? A, for, I have ideas, but if go Ray for it, wants no. to go first. Or... Oh, no, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, okay, so like just to give everybody background, um, George Lucas created this thing that he called the rule of two, right? Um, and it was a, basically a way of him um, explaining away a storytelling device, which is what we saw um, throughout the end of Return of the Jedi, which was if there's a way to turn Darth Vader and to add complexity to that character and, and redeem him ultimately, you need a bigger bad. You need somebody else there that would allow him to make that choice, that eventual decision. And so when you come around, you know, 20 years later or so, when we have Phantom Menace come along, he explicitly wrote that into his movie at that point. There's a rule of two with the Sith the Sith have two members because they're always going to betray each other if they get it, if they ever exceed that number because you have a, a master and apprentice. Uh, if, if the number ever exceeds that point, it'll never work because they'll just try to be killing each other. Mm -hmm. um, it's a convenient way to explain that storytelling necessity mm -hmm. that you have where if you want your villain to have that level of complexity and that ability to eventually turn or come back to the light or what have you uh you have to have the big bad in place um so knowing all of that coming into rise of skywalker there was no big bad which meant there was no opportunity to redeem kylo ren um and so if you as a storyteller decide that that's the story that we need to tell and that that's the story that maybe in a larger way this saga is all about the redemption of these characters. Um, okay, we're going to need a big bad. And there's no more logical choice within the Star Wars universe, I think, at this point, coming into this story, uh, than Palpatine. And again, that would be my take on the situation. I, I guess my, my short answer would be, uh, in order to get what they decided they needed to have, meaning the redemption of Kyle of Ben Solo. You could not have had this movie without Palpatine. The look at the path that they've laid on for him from Force Awakens. First thing we see is him killing Max von Sydow's character, Lord Santeca, and ordering a whole village exterminated. Uh, we see him torture our heroes. We see him kill one of the most beloved characters in movie history 
And that's by design. That was J.J. Abrams by design saying, I'm going to make you hate this guy. And then um, through Last Jedi, again, you keep seeing all the depths and all the stuff that he's willing and able to do. And then what's interesting, you see the one thing he's not willing to do. He's willing, he was willing to kill dad, not willing to touch mom's hair. He's not willing to hurt Leia. That's the one bridge that kind of keeps him connected to the light. Like and then, I, then eventually Ray. Right. But what's interesting is that, you know, at first he was, he's okay with killing Ray. Like when he first meets her, she means nothing to him. Yep. And then she beats him and he wants to find her and, and kind of turn her towards the darkness or, you know, get his revenge on her. The one character that we see that he has a problem distancing himself from, so to speak, you know, is Leia, his mother. But I think the way that they left it in at the end of Last Jedi, it's clearly meant to, for us to think, oh, he's going to be the big bad now. He's removed all other uh, name villains. He's uh, emasculated General Hux. He's the guy in charge. He's going to be the guy who's in power. And what does this movie do? It immediately reintroduces him. The biggest bad of them all, it immediately reintroduces more uh, Imperial uh, machinery uh, officers in the form of uh, Richard Grant's uh, General Pride. And you only do that because you say, okay, I need to have some big villain that we beat and it can't be, it can't be Kylo Ren anymore. So what if, and I agree with both of you, just so mm-hmm. you know, I agree with both of you. I don't, I don't, I, I again, I, it goes back to, um, Ryan Johnson wrote him into a corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had to figure out some way out of it. Um, if you ever want more of my thoughts on this, corner me in a bar and I'll tell you about when I was a band director and make different drill writing, you know, metaphors and things like that. But there are times I think they wrote him in a corner. There was no way out of it. But what if, what if the baddie for the rise of Skywalker was Darth Plagueis? It could have been true. It wouldn't have sold as many tickets. Well, I mean, it might have sold tickets, but here, here's the thing. I mean, you're not going to get the cackle to, you know, I, I to think... To drive people nuts at Celebration, right? I, I mean, I, I think people would have gone to the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't I don't think people went because they, you know, the Emperor was going to be in it. I see your point, though, that, I mean, that's familiar. But I think if you would have said Darth Plagueis then it would have been a little bit easier for it because all he had to say was, Hey, re, you know, you know, the Emperor's he, former he boss. thought he thought he killed me, but I had figured out how to gain immortality. He did not, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't have that made the prequel fans just wet their pants and, you know, and it would have been similar to the, you know, we saw the emperor in, um, the Empire Strikes Back, but mm-hmm. only for a couple seconds, and then he was. But he was basically a character in Return. in Return of the Jedi. So I think you could have then started the movie off with here is Darth Plagueis, and it would have been less of a smack to the face than than Palpatine. Than Palpatine. My guess is that you these conversations occurred in the writers' room at they some did. point. I, I wonder if it did. I honestly <laughs> wonder if it did because did. it comes to the point that you said earlier. It's like, did they were they under a time crunch? And it was like, yeah. oh, what we do. I just think it would have been an interesting way to link everything together. It would and... have been interesting because here's what it does: it creates a dynamic. Are you going to say the Emperor's former master that he betrayed? 
You could have even said something along the lines of he's, you know, uh, he's the one who's been trying to get back power. The reason you've never seen him is because he's been stuck on this planet trying to heal himself up, regather his power, so to speak. You could even say that he's the one that from whom Ray extends from, you know, that he comes, you know, everything you gave to Palpatine, you can give to Plagueis. I think the reason, number one, you bring Palpatine back because he's somebody that everybody knows. Even even the most casual fans knows who the Emperor is, especially after the prequels. And number two, because you want to have Ian McDiarmid in this movie because he's one of those, you know, less sung heroes who always brings a level of fun to the, to the proceedings. So did, did the Emperor, we all knew that he was going to be back somehow. Mm-hmm. Did it pay off for you? That's going to get into our kind of our next little segment here. But did it pay off for you? Did th- do you think it was done well? Do you think that it was like, did it live up? I know we said going in with no expectations, but obviously, did it live up to your expectations? Do you think it, it worked? Mostly. Okay. Um, I, well, you said mostly. So what didn't work? Okay. Uh, his untimely end. Um Everything that happened in the last, uh, you know, 20 minutes of this movie confused me. And maybe that's intentional. So maybe some of that's intentional. Mm. But um, Yeah, Mace Windu, just the reason he went down is because he didn't have two lightsabers. Yeah, right. right? I that's mean, right. like, if he'd had two lightsabers, this thing would have ended back in uh, back episode in the three. three. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I get what they were trying to do in some respects throughout that entire sequence at the end. But cause like the whole point of return of the Jedi and we talked about, are you undoing return of the Jedi? Um, we talked about that in a couple of other constructs, but within the larger message of pacifism and, and how Luke brings his father back to light through love. And it ultimately prevails through love rather than through, you know, swinging his lightsaber at somebody. Um, I understand the hesitancy to undo that. And if they had, if she had defeated Palpatine through some kind of forceful action, it would have in a way undone that. And so, um, I get what they were trying to do. I just, it just was clunky, Uh, clunky. Well, and I was going to say, uh, part of the night, part of the genius or part of the beauty of the characters that he always says, look, you strike me and you kill me and I win. It's because that boxes in the hero into having to come up with a new dynamic for how to defeat him that doesn't involve swinging a lightsaber or using a force power or something. You got to find a way to beat him. And sometimes the best way to beat him is by saying, no, I'm not going to do what you tell me. I'm going to do the exact opposite, which it's obviously how stuff works with him. Uh, I thought that the prompt for me, Palpatine worked by and large as the movie intended him to work. So I was like, okay, this is why you brought him back for. He's the big bad and he's been living out in the middle of nowhere, gathering forces and building up the most gigantic epic uh, fleet ever designed and all that. Okay, so I was like, okay. I do think the last 20 minutes do get clunky in terms of the exposition because it's requiring him to explain a lot. Mm-hmm. He's having to explain the idea of a force dyad which has finally given us the name for the relationship that Kylo and, and uh, Rey have had since Last Jedi. 
It's, having, it's asking us to explain the idea of how he can take that power to bring himself back into cor- some sort of corporeal form. Which, which, by the way, if they would have spent more time expa- explaining that dyad thing, mm-hmm. then it would have shot down the Mary Sue people from the internet because you know, everybody's saying, why does Ray have all these powers right off the bat? And it was in when I was listening. To ben. Well, it was when I was uh, listening to. Um, now this is podcasting, and it's that's a very spoiler heavy um, podcast. You know, they're talking about because every time in the Force Awakens, when Ray all of a sudden is like manipulating stormtroopers or doing all these, you know, big Force heavy stuff, she has been recently in contact with. Kylo Ren. Ren. So they're, you know, the like we've talked about the yin and yang, you know, they they feed off each other's energies. Right. And so that I mean that may would have made a lot of people go, okay, you know, but then there's also you can just say she's just powerful. Deal with it, you but, know. But, but it would have it I mean that that whole idea of the dyad, they just kind of dropped it, you know, just you know, it was uh Kylo mentions it once, I think, and then the Emperor mentions it once and it's well, he mentions it right before he uses its power in order to bring himself back to full health bar to steal a fighting game uh, terminology. Yeah. It's the idea. So, I think when when you're getting to the end of your the climax of your story, it is not the time to be introducing new terminology or new concepts. Everybody gets, and this is a problem that you still see. But the always monologues. But no, but this is the problem that you've seen a lot in genre fiction. I mean, whether it's, you know, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, even James Bond got into it a few movies ago with um, uh, Blofeld. But anyway, it's the idea of the overarching villain has to have a master plan and he's always been working in the shadows and here he comes and he's going to reveal everything to you five minutes before the movie's over. And it's like, if you do your work right, all this stuff should have fall into place you should know going in what a diet is what the dynamics of it is even if you don't know okay palpatine can suck the power out of that you could have even said that was his whole plan all along like i needed the both of them here in front of me but then they can't know that because so therefore i'm going to be throwing all these bad guys at them the way it was filmed it looked like it was a surprise to him that yeah, he was able it to was. pull that it power totally was. from them and i think he even mentioned that in some of the dialogue and mm-hmm. you're like Okay, so you didn't plan for this, but now you're taking advantage of it. Okay, fine, but why are you trying to muddy the waters and trying to introduce all these different yeah. concepts right now, like you said? Because the original plan is he needs Ray there so that she kills him and he can transfer his essence and the essence of all the Sith into her. That is plan one. And then Kylo and Ray step in, are in front of him. And he tries using his powers against them and he sucks up a little bit. And there's a close-up of his hands as they become corporeal. That's what's interesting because at that moment, that's when you get that shot of him going like, oh my God, did, this seems to be a better plan than the one I had. Awesome. And you're like, they, okay, they, I, 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 <laughs> plan he, B. He, he should have said, it's working. It's working. Right. But no, but it's that Episode idea Episode one, throwback yeah. and yeah, exactly. the podcast, or the, the pod racer. Exactly. Yeah. But it's that idea of, if you're the big bad guy, you can't be switching midstreams at the climax with a different plan. So, like I said, it like I think you're right. It does get clunky towards the end. That said, bringing him in, bringing him in as the big bad villain for us. If you're gonna need one, he's it. I mean, so so I've heard you say that. It, so what do you think about? Um, again, I've heard you both say that it's good that 
he's it makes sense that he's there in the movie. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about just again from the outset saying that there's there's no gray area. He is the emperor is there. Do you I, think? Do you think? Did that when you first saw that? Did that? Did you go? All right, cool. Or did you go? Uh, uh, was it kind of McClunky there as well? I thought I, at first I thought okay they're gonna drag this out a bit. So within five minutes when Kyle Ren is making it to Exegol and you're getting a scene with him, you're like, okay. Yeah, I, I I, that that set. I mean that kind of knocked like, okay. me off my seat a little bit. I was like. Well, that's interesting that we're making this right off the bat. Right. That, I mean, I, I, I just thought that was because, like I was goofy. saying, part of me was thinking that they were gonna go with that dynamic of Kylo Ren is still trying to keep control of the First Order. Maybe you would have had some shots of some of the Imper- some of the officers, Imperial First Order officers, kind of having doubts about him when the Emperor's out there. You know, creating a dynamic where he's losing power. Or, or you know any any kind you could have drawn it any number of ways, but they clearly went to nope. We're going right back to the old method that works. We have a big bad who's in charge of everybody. Everybody bows to him, and Kylo Ren is his knight. I suppose it kind of mirrors Return of the Jedi right mm-hmm. off the bat. I mean, well, within like fifteen minutes or anything, you know, he's on the he's on the Death, Death Star. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I I it would have been interesting to me to just keep it kind of keep me hanging for a little bit. They, so. That was a, that's, and that's the thing. They made certain choices because of where Ryan Johnson boxed them in, and they made certain choices because of the kind of story they needed to tell and the pace that they needed to hit in order to meet their runtime. So Chris Terrio had an interview about why the Emperor was there. Mm-hmm. So um, anything we want to say about that? I mean... That they need a big bad? What, well, I mean, I guess... I, I guess I what I got out. Yeah, they needed a big bad. I guess they. It seems like I don't know it, that whole interview with him is kind of interesting. It's almost like uh, not apologetic, but not my fault. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. It's just yeah. It's that, and you're hearing a lot of that kind of thing now. And like you said before, in the lead up to the movie, it was like it's satisfying. Let's all say it's satisfying. And now, after it's been released, now you're starting to hear tastes great, less filling. Yeah, and like oh well, it's not my fault. Um, he did know. it. He did not. No goes. Nose goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, which is interesting. And like that shift has been dramatic and fast. I don't uh, necessarily think that they have anything to apologize for with this particular movie. I, I know that there's certain things that I'm, I'm pretty meh on, but uh, it's Star Wars is Star Wars for yeah. me. I, I really, I really did enjoy it. You know, and, and that kind of gets into what we're going to talk about next. And I really want... I, I try to think back to when I was a kid and, you know, Empire Strikes Back was coming out or Return of the Jedi was coming out and how they kind of, what marketing was like. And marketing is obviously totally different, you know, here in, you know, 2020. 2020. <laughs> um, but we were, we were being sold on a lot of things, you know, um, at D23 at comic-con um not so much at celebration um it came out after they first big thing that they were like selling was the sith trooper this red storm trooper the sith trooper and it's called a sith trooper 
you know, and they had the this whole display at both of those things of, you know, the different stormtroopers throughout the saga. So it's, I mean, that makes me go, this is going to be a big deal. No nope. last five, 10 minutes, maybe how many, we have to go. It'd be fun to go back and do the, I can't wait till this comes out on Blu-ray so you can do the screen time. I mean, I only remember as I'm flashing back in my head like one shot of a Sith trooper. <laughs> they had they had less of a moment than the uh, uh, Snoke's guard did in the last. The movie. Praetorian guards, yeah. yeah. Well, at least they had a fight. These guys had a couple of shots, and that's it. Well, actually, I think the was it the jet jetpack uh, stormtroopers. What what's, what's their name? The ones that are chasing them through the desert. Yeah, uh, they're basically jetpack stormtroopers. Yeah, those yeah. those are the guys that have the most time of any of the of the. Uh, stormtroopers that they introduced this time but of course you know then you go back to empire strikes back and even you know the holiday special it was like i I remember you know on the back of the action figure card it's like here's this next new big character that's coming out in the next star wars movie boba fett look at this you need to get this figure kids and everybody's like boba fett yeah and boba fett has a couple minutes of screen time in the empire strikes Mm -hmm. back i mean Really, if, if you go back and look at that as a 46-year-old, that's kind of a nothing burger as well, to well, steal your Yeah, your nothing phrase. burger. We were talking about the Knights of Ren. Well, we'll get to them in a second, you know. Well, so, but I... I was just going to mention, I remember being outside Toys R Us back when they were around uh, in 1999, in May, when the all the toys came out. And the biggest toy that was up for sale was the uh, single trooper aerial um, platform used by the Droid Federation, which if you're not sure about it, it's this guy. Uh, it's in there somewhere. Yep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's this. It was like the biggest toy yeah. that was out there. You know, you had all the figures and you had that. And it was like, oh my God, you saw it in the trailer. I wonder what it's going to be like. It was in the movie for maybe 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, and he was holding up a picture of the droid that's riding like the little hovercraft right. jet ski looking thing. Yeah. Right, and that's yeah. what it is. And you're like, you know, but back then it's like, oh my goodness, I wonder how this is going to fit in. You know, is it relevant? And no. Constable Zubio, right? Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Star Wars has always been very good about promoting stuff that you, later on down the line you realize it's not that big a deal. It's minor because so, I got to sell it to you. So here's a little bit one that we talked about just a second ago, a little bit more major. Let's say um, the Knights of Ren, because in The Force Awakens, see the Knights of Ren and everybody wet their pants over. I thought they were cool looking and I wanted to know more about them mm-hmm. and we didn't get anything of them. And then, you know, the last Jedi comes out and there's nothing, you know, I mean, I mean not even, I don't think not even a mention. And then it was really, you know, it was thrown out there that the Knights of Ren are coming back to, to star Wars. And everybody, like, yeah. And, it is kind of like uh, it's like when you light off that bottle rocket and it like goes about a foot and then goes <laughs> right because right, you see them in the movie and they act as bodyguards and they act as the hunting dog so to speak of Kyle Ren but you get to know nothing about them and this is usually the hard the hard part of introducing new elements at the end of a trilogy you don't really have a whole lot of time to get that information so let's let's get into that we talked about leave your expectations at the door but what were your expectations for the knights of ren i was kind of expecting them to be um force wielding i was expecting them to be jedi you know uh, yeah his classmates from the jedi temple um you know so those were those were my expectations um i was actually expecting them to yeah 
maybe be a little bit more integral, a little bit more antagonistic. I mean, they're just kind of just tracking people. And they then, just stand then, and look. And then they tried to, you know, beat down Kylo Ren at the end. So, I don't know. What were your expectations of the nicer end? I thought they'd be a uh, redemptive opportunity, I guess would be how I would phrase it for, for Kylo. Which uh, they kind of and were. And they kind of were, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned on him quick, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. Uh, and I think that was palpatine's doing it just at some point well that was the other kevin smith you know thing he said now that now that ben solo's wearing a gap sweater <laughs> you know it makes it makes them all good i mean how you know how did they know that he was you no know, longer the master of the no night because he wasn't wearing the mask or he wasn't wearing the you know oh well palpatine suit. had a, like a moment of dialogue too where he was kind of like uh oh, i'm in charge officially now you know or so, it was something like that late well, in the movie and i'm like okay well now ben's now persona non grata and I, I just I had thought that might come that moment would come earlier in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The Knights of Ren weren't useful to the story; they were more clutter. Um, now they're action figures. Yeah, so I figured here's an opportunity for him to either turn over another leaf uh, or show that he's fallen out of favor, and it was essentially both. Um, but I thought that would happen much earlier in the movie. See, so rewind. Let's go back. Let's rewrite The Last Jedi. You know, Ryan Johnson creates these um, Praetorian guards, you know, these people that all pretty much look the same and have different weapons. Why not, if J.J. has already created the Knights of Ren, why not repurpose them, you know? He said he didn't have a moment big enough for them. Well, what, he, but what I'm saying is instead of the Praetorian guards... Yeah use the Knights of Ren there. He had said he didn't want to use the Knights of Ren in that moment because they were going to get wiped out in like 45 seconds. And so he thought the Knights of Ren were a bigger... But, but I'll kill Snoke <laughs> off, you know? I mean, so that's... I mean, I agreed with the decision at the time, but then ultimately in the third film, the same thing happens. Yeah, they get paid off for nothing. The, yeah. Well, and, and here's the problem. It's the decision to not make them characters hurts them... And in some ways hurts Kylo Ren's uh, redemptive arc because it would have been interesting to hear. The only times you hear Kylo speak are either when he's trying to convert Rey to the dark side, when he's bossing First Order officers around, or when he's talking to Palpatine or when he's having some sort of inner monologue. That's it. You never get to hear anybody talk to them at his level. It would have been really interesting and dynamic, particularly in that scene when they're all gathered around as they're refashioning his old mask, to hear them talk, to kind of hear them all, you know, their interactions with him. Because then when he does, when they turn against them and they're fighting, it would have been a, an interesting and dynamic uh, moment for both him to show his shift and for them to see how... He's no longer one of or them. Or even after the fact, too. Right. Because you you saw that with Finn, mm-hmm. um, where he had this interaction with the Stormtrooper after he had yeah, turned. He was traitor! He, traitor! You know, and that was a powerful moment. And then, of course, everything that he did with Phasma. Mm-hmm. And again, we didn't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a common refrain from this sequel trilogy, I think. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it's still a lot. It worked a lot more. And I and I think I, and I think again, it goes back to. This is totally different than the other, the other two trilogies, in that they had these classic characters 
along with a bunch of new characters. And I think they should have been done with the classic characters quicker that it should have been that to me, it was always, you know, a way to get us invested in these new characters. And then once we're cool with that, they should have been off on the distance, you know, have Kylo kill Han Solo and, you know, Luke Skywalker becomes a force ghost somehow. And princess Leia is like, I'm going under, you know, retiring, you know, however you want to do that. But I think because they're balancing both of those, then it becomes like, how do we make, you know, get the new stuff with the old stuff to your point? Like, why did we need Leia? And I get the storytelling reason for this movie was she's going to be the one that brings Kylo back. I, for me, it would be more interesting if he just chose to do it on his own and it didn't have anything to do with Leia or some sort of force connection or whatever. It was just him and I, making the right choice. And I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think, and I think that's going to be another discussion for us is that, you know, um, did they, how, how they did with, with dealing with Leia. Maybe we can talk about this. Well, here Carrie as well. had passed away. Yeah. You so know, I guess let's let's get in. I, so I guess let's get into that. That was one of the things that we were, you know, kind of sold on is that, you know, they're obviously going to be using Carrie Fisher, you know, in previous uh, um, Force Awakens Force footage. Awakens footage, um, and she was going to be part of this movie, and it was going to be handled magically, as I think what her brother said and things like that. So how did that work for you? I mean, actually, I'll say my reaction, first of all. Um, I thought for the most part, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple moments where it felt, no pun intended, forced. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, it, it was like they kind of had these lines and it was like, okay, so we got to figure out something to do there. Um, but for the most part, it was great. And I thought how they handled her death was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, just it was nice. And again, I I'd say you could have had that scene occur a movie ago. But again, getting to your previous point, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Your previous point, the fact that it was the mother's love, the mother sacrificing herself for her son. I mean. I mean, that mirrors Return of the Jedi. That's mm-hmm. Anakin, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sacrificing, sacrificing himself. Not he, Leia didn't need any redemption, but it was about parental sacrifice for yeah. the, you know, for the kid. Can I ask, did you understand what was happening with her when she went to Leia, you know, when, during the battle between Kylo and Rey, when Leia feels it in the Force? And Maskana goes, oh, this is her last. And well, she she said Leia now knows what she needs to do. And I, a little bit, yes, because we had already been introduced to that transmitting of life force. No, but did you understand yeah. what? Yeah, but but, did, but did, did, did you get that that's what Leia was doing? Because I didn't. I, I, I it didn't it didn't confuse me. I didn't go, aha, that's what she's doing. But it was like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that she was basically transmitting all of herself into... into which then, you know, makes you wonder that gets into the all the things that Kylo or let's say all the things that Ben was doing when he started wearing the Gap sweater. Mm-hmm. Was that Ben or was it Leia? Well, I think it was Ben. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that. put it if it's, been, put it, if it's Leia, it cheapens everything. Because well, well, so I'm saying is like well, she... Well, that was my point. That's why you could have written that all out. And like she didn't necessarily need to be there. Now, to your question, I think it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit of that whole Uncanny Valley thing going on, like with Rogue One and Tarkin, where you're like, you, your brain is telling you, this person's not actually here talking mm-hmm. to these other people. I know this. How do I accept this? So again, it will be interesting to to show this movie to somebody who right didn't know that doesn't but, know any that doesn't know that this movie was made. And I think know, on second, third viewing, etc., it, mm-hmm. it smooths out. It does. You're not worried about it at that point. I will say uh, two. Okay, first of all, I, as for what we got in the movie, I thought it was fine. I thought they handled it well. I. I didn't understand what was going on with Leia when she was transferring her life to uh, Ben, but I thought that they handled it. You know, basically, I love the scene with her training Ray. The idea of her being the mass, her master, was awesome, and I love that as a concept. And I understand, and I think this was my second point. I think they were really hemmed in by the fact that she passed away. They have made a big deal of the fact that Episode Seven was. A movie featuring Han, an episode A was a movie featuring Luke. Uh, episode nine is gonna be all about Leia. This is Leia's movie, and then she passes away before they even get started filming the damn thing. And I agree with you, Aaron. That was probably a mistake. Yeah, to, uh, to, to sell that, to sell it in that way, instead you know, of instead of putting them all three in episode seven. And again, the larger point here, and I think we're we're trending towards the larger point, is that this movie's overstuffed. It is. Um, yeah. There's too many characters, but we're gonna talk more about. So let, let's yeah, let's talk about another one. So in uh, when I was at Celebration, they brought out the panel. Um, uh, Naomi Aki mm-hmm. was on stage, and so it was Jenna, this new character that we're gonna be getting, and it's not like new character, you know, Dominic Monaghan, whatever mm-hmm. his, you know role was i mean there's a really well-known actor that you could have brought out on stage but they chose naomi aki and here's Jana, and so we're you know we saw some pictures then you know in vanity fair of her riding a horse and shooting the bow and arrow and we're like ah, you know so again part of the marketing we're like this person's going to be really cool and um we do learn that she was a stormtrooper um that she was taken from her family and i guess i, I I think it'll be fun to do this in an episode when we get the book, the visual dictionary apparently says that Lando had a daughter that was kidnapped by the first order when she was two. And if you do, then if you look at Jana's entry and you do the math that it kind of lines up that perhaps Jana and Lando are related, that Jana is Lando's daughter. It's not said explicitly, but it's, hinted towards yeah there's a um, meaningful look late in the movie well yeah, you know that her. was that scene was just that that was another moment where i just went huh you know when he turns and says you know um what basically what what's your story or something like that and she's like i don't know he's like well let's find out mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. what you know, I was why, like, I mean, this is the last moment you're going to see of these characters. Why right. put that there? Right. And it's like, so what is episode 10 going to be, you Funny know, all the kids, Funny you know, parents. yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, it just seemed like it was, it was goofy. And well, does, did the stuff with Finn work though? I thought, you know, I thought it was thought interesting it. because it was that connection. Finn's always been looking for 
uh, you know, belonging, belonging and connection and to find somebody who was honestly, I thought we were going to go down the road when she said, yeah, I was kidnapped and, you know, made a stormtrooper as well, that it was brother and sister, Well, because, which could still be maybe, you know, I don't know. Well, but, because what's interesting is they, she says that they all, her entire squadron defected as one when they felt something calling to them. And he said it was any name said it's the force. Which I was like, okay, so it's interesting that you have force sensitive kids getting called out of whatever brainwashing the first order did now, to them. I hadn't thought about that because that's been a running storyline in the Clone Wars and in Rebels about the Emperor getting force sensitive kids mm-hmm. and to form formulate you know, some sort of Sith army or whatever like that. So would it make sense if he knows that if they, you know, instead of wiping them out, if Finn is force sensitive, let's, you know, let's, Mm -hmm. you know, kidnap him and, you know, make him a stormtrooper. If Jana is force sensitive and all the people she's around, let's get them and make them stormtroopers. And maybe that leads up to the Sith trooper. I don't know. Um, that's I hadn't thought about that. But it's that idea of, okay, they're getting... So you establish a connection between both their past and their dynamic for why they left the First Order, escaped from the First Order. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, uh, there, there's something there. And, and this, this is one of those things we're talking about how stuffed this movie is. It's missing a lot of these small beats, those moments where characters can just express themselves but see here's but here's my deal i I still if we're not messing around so much with in in the first one and a half acts Mm -hmm. i mean you could you could just very easily in the in the crawl say that they've found the wayfinder to find the emperor if you're going to say the emperor's back then we don't need to dink around Mm -hmm. going hunting for the wayfinder so all that time now we need Pasana a little bit to get to find Lando, right. which we'll talk about Lando here in a minute. But um, th- if we're not spending all this time with all this junk in the first act and a half, you could have gotten to Endor quicker and had a little bit more time. It's my, it's again my criticism of the Last Jedi. We spend so much time in space. You could have gotten to crate a lot earlier, mm-hmm. and then that would have opened up. The dynamics. Well, you would have opened up a little bit more space for some of the storylines that were missing, some of those beats that you're talking about. So, you know, Janna, I thought, was better utilized than Zori Bliss, which we'll talk about, too. I mean, I'll disagree because I really enjoyed Zori. Well, I didn't didn't enjoy her, but I think we got a little bit more of where, you know, what what Jana is and where she came from and how she, and she had more to do in this. And I was more emotionally invested in her than Zori bliss. So, um, but is that a problem because she's got the helmet on or is it? No, I think it's, or is it because she only relates to her to Poe? Like, like you don't get everything you learn about her has to do. No, I think it's because, I think it's because you get like five minutes Mm -hmm. And it's then similar dynamic though you're introduced to this new character and you get maybe five ish minutes with her you learn a little bit more about how she relates to one of the leads one of the leads uh, and then let's abandon her <laughs> well until the final okay the final. okay so let's then let's um 
let's transition, I suppose, into Zori Bliss since yeah. we were talking about that yeah. because that was another one. Here's Carrie Russell is going to be in this movie. And actually, a lot of people, I would have dug this if Carrie Russell would have been a Knight of Wren. <laughs> you know, there was some people that were like, I hope she's going to be a Knight of Wren. I hope she's evil. I hope she's like... She could have carried that very she easily. Her Big time. voice was like, again, the reason the character as written worked for me um, as portrayed in this movie was that I really responded to her because she had a gravitas to her. And obviously the way that she and Poe interacted, you could have transferred that on to Kylo mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we get obviously uh, the fireworks are still going. Uh, <laughs> we, we get in the vanity for we find out that she's going to be this i guess uh, she's a bounty hunter, bounty hunter. um but um and she said i've got this killer costume and you know blah 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 and it was awkward her i th- I, th- I thought her and again i like the character i'm just being mm-hmm. critical trying not to be a jerk but the entrance of her character it seemed you know, kind of awkward. Um, and again, but we only had like about five minutes. Not given enough time. Not given enough time. And at the end of the movie, when she comes back, like I was saying off air, the only thing that I was happy about is that Babu Frick is still alive because, you know, they waste, Kijim, they blow up Kajimi. So we're, again, that's the second time. We thought Chewbacca died and now we thought everybody on Kajimi dies. And but Baba Frick was alive. That was the only thing I felt good about. I didn't care that Zori Bliss was back to help, you know, I save did love the, the day. I did love the little moment between her and Poe towards the end when you know they see each other and he kind of waves to her and then kind of throws her a look and she just shakes his head, her head, <laughs> and she and he's like, okay, okay. No, that, I mean, that, I, I, again, I give again. you that was good, but it but was, that's just it. It's that's not a character. That's just a moment, and I think that's part of the problem that you're running into in this movie is that outside of our leads, and by that I mean Ray Finn Poe, see how easy it is to say? <laughs> and Kyle Ren. It's just as easy as Narvez. Exactly. So outside of the our three heroes and our um our main villain, everybody else is just getting snippets of time. It's just getting moments. everybody's you know, and normally that's gonna happen because hey, you know, the leads will take the majority of the time, but it's it does a disservice to all these other characters they're just trying to establish or establishing. You know, yeah, and all right, so so you could talk, you could take this in a lot of directions at this mm-hmm. point in terms of characters not getting enough time. Mm-hmm. We talked about R two D two. There's not a lot for him to do in this in this movie. There wasn't really a lot to do. I was saying off air. There wasn't really a lot to do for him to do in this in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. You get he's sidelined for most of the Force Awakens until it's time for him to reveal where Luke is. He's sidelined for the bulk of Last Jedi until it's time for him to kind of kick a give a kick to Luke in the backside by playing the Leia video, and he's sidelined for it here until it's time to uh, uh, dump all the old memories of C three PO back into him. That's of course, it. you know, really, there's not much for BB eight to do in this movie except for just look cute. He had that moment you. where he fell under the tree that she'd sliced, and, uh, yeah. and they argue, and it causes Ray and uh, Poe to argue. Uh, yeah, he most of the stuff he does is with Dio, the new droid. So okay, there's another transition. So in Star Wars Celebration, here's our new droid, and they bring out Dio, and Dio is you know one wheel and cone head and riding around, and oh, isn't he cute? And 
but again, they're they're bringing this out, so this is part of their marketing. Like, hey, this is going to make this movie cool. Did Dio pay off? I mean, some people like them. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Remind me of you. Remember BB Nine E, the evil uh, yeah, role. BB re- Hate. BB yeah. Hate. Yeah. Exactly. So he's the BB Hate of this movie. It's okay. We gotta throw something that's cute for the kids that you know, everybody's gonna want to build one up when they go to Galaxy's Edge and. That's it. So how could Rose is the biggest one, right? I mean, this is the one that people have been complaining about online because of the backlash that the character and the the actress, yeah, and the actress had gotten previously to this point, and so she's essentially fridged in this movie. Well, well, let me back up to to Dio here real quick because the only purpose that he serves is to get to finish up Ray's backstory to figure out why, you know, how she's linked to the emperor, but basically how to get them to Exegol. Is there any way they could have done that without creating this new little droid? That's going to take screen time away from our favorite droids. You know, that we have. Yeah, I'm sure Mm -hmm. they probably could have. You can find it in in that data bank and, you know, plug in R2 into the computer. How many, how many movies, how many times in the, in the original trilogy did R2 just go up to a random computer terminal and find out everything he needs? Yeah, exactly. You could have done that or BBA could have done that. But any freighter, you were speaking to Rose a little bit. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's in, you know, we're going to get into, uh, just how little, I mean, and I guess it's kind of surprising because. I thought maybe this is just me. When they introduced Rose and Last Jedi, I thought she was gonna follow the same arc, kind of like Lando did, where she was a key component of the second movie. And okay, maybe you won't see her in every aspect in the third movie, but she'll be a, a key part of it. Here, she doesn't really do much of anything. She's she's hanging around the base and she's no, I don't know mining the computer. And again, Chris Terrio does talk about that how they used her and there was a lot of footage that was cut i was kind of looking at the article again but it, there was a lot of footage that footage that was cut because it just ended up looking like um the 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 carrie fisher footage that they had just it didn't work so they she had a lot more in the movie but it got cut down but she was kind of they knew they needed somebody like one of the main characters, if you will, at least again, this is, this is kind of like a mea culpa. It sounds like, but they need one of the main, the main characters, um, hovering around Carrie Fisher. And, you know, if, if Poe and Finn and Ray are off doing their thing, otherwise you just got Carrie Fisher there with a bunch of, you know, nobody's, but I guess, but I guess then the question is, and it's understandable if they cut the footage from the movie, was that was that vital footage that they cut away from this character? And I get, look, the plot of the story is for Ray to find Exegol, for Poe and Finn to assist her getting to the Emperor. But if you're trying to, you know, establish this character's role, I mean, why not just cut her entirely? Well, so on a tangent, uh, an interesting article I saw, um, you know, on Star Star Wars Underworld's website, um, and I think on Fanta tracks as well, but. Um, the director of Crazy Rich Asians um, is pitching a Rose Tico series wow. to Disney for Disney Plus. That'd be fine. So, well, a larger point I take away from the Rose Tico controversy, and at this point, it's, it kind of is that because there's been all strong backlash. Like, why did you ice this character, basically? And mm-hmm. because because no because idiot 
angry angry white man yeah. didn't like this character is that why um you painted yourself into this corner of having to juggle all of these different characters in this movie by not making any choices to clear the slate so to speak um and and so now you've got to make a little time for everybody. Well, we'll remind you that R2-D2 is over here with this tiny little task. We'll remind you bb 8s over here with this tiny task. Oh, Rose is still here. Um, it, it, for me, it would have been more effective. And we mentioned this off, uh, off air. I think if you look at a spoiler alert, uh, if you look at how they handled Infinity War and Endgame, and I had my own issues with those movies, um, Infinity War did something that was really smart, which was they cleared the chessboard um, and essentially gave the remaining characters a lot more urgency, um, but also more screen time. Uh, and so you give them a mission, so to speak. Uh, we have to avenge these people. We have to try to save these people um, that are no longer with us. Well, in doing that, you, you give the people... The, the characters that are remaining, you give them time to develop and, and, sure. and we get to know more about them and we get to learn more. And it's, and I think like that's one of the biggest problems I've had with this movie. And I mentioned that I think on the last one, which was just, you know, Chewie is dead. No, he's not. Uh, C3PO, we wiped his mind. Uh, no, we didn't. Um, those kinds of things. Um, when you when you add it on top of the issues that already exist of yeah, we have either, too many either, characters, either go there or don't go there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I would have preferred that so much if he'd have just stuck to it. It's like okay, um, and and Chewie's the last person I'd want to see die in the in this uh, in these movies. But you know, you're gonna do it. It's interesting. We get to deal with the grief just like our characters do. We're gonna care more. Yeah. Um, so uh, one other, we'll do one last uh, thing that was put out there that this was going to be a big addition to the Rise of Skywalker and see if it paid off, and that is Lando. Because, again, he was part of the D23 and the celebration stuff, and there's Billy D. Williams. Mm -hmm. And so we know Lando is going to be part of the Rise of Skywalker. Um First of all, does it make sense to bring back Lando? Second I mean, of all, second of all, did it did it did it pay off? So I, I mean, throw that out there. Uh, does it make sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, it, it, particularly if you, if you're establishing that there's that the resistance is still kind of needing allies. Well, Leia knows Lando, who knows every you know many good people, many shady people. So it makes sense that. You could bring him in. I didn't necessarily go like, okay, so Luke and Lando were on a secret mission chasing this assassin across the galaxy, and this was the last spot, so Lando stayed here, or did he go away? Did he have other adventures? Uh, so that's the thing. It does, they, they Why don't is go, he there? Yeah. You know, he go, well, he's there because Leia called him and told him, hey, we're, we're, they're going here. So it makes sense for him to be there, but at the same time, I'm only here to give you this information that I could have called you over and told you on your way, <laughs> but now I'm here, so here you go, and I'm out. Send us an email, Lando. Exactly, and then he shows up at the planet where um, where the resistance is after Leia's death, and he's agreeing to go on this mission. Uh, like I said, in some ways it kind of works because you know you love the character and you want to see more of him. At the same time, though, you're like, okay, you could have that's time you could have given to some. You could have given Rose 
land those missions. So again, and it would have worked. But it, but again, so it gets back to that. You know, what we talked about in the last episode. You know, the word satisfying mm-hmm. is that they were satisfying people. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that meal that they were giving that was satisfying us was very, had much substance. It's an empty you know, calorie meal. Yeah, they're sending us dessert rather than right. a full meal. It's, so it's fast food. <laughs> because I, you know, it was great seeing Lando. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fun seeing Lando. So that made, you know, 10-year-old Aaron go, Lando's back. But it, it was unnecessary because there's many different ways that you could have gotten them to Pasana and learned about this this guy that, you know, had the Sith knife or whatever. Because uh, I always, I always thought that in Last Jedi, when uh, Mas Kanata was sending Rose and Finn to Canto Bight, that they were going to go find Lando. That's what I thought when he said, "Oh, you know, this Codebreaker. You know, he's an excellent with the blaster. He does this, does that." I was like, "It's Lando. You're bringing him in." And well, then they didn't. And then, of course, it goes in a different way. And I go like, "If you wanted to bring Billy D. Williams into this trilogy, that was the perfect moment right there. Not here." Well, and uh, one of you guys mentioned it when on our break is that um, what Lando does with Chewie to go, you know, find all the, the cavalry, that could have been Rose. Right. Uh, that scene, somebody on YouTube say that. And I thought that would have been an excellent point. If you're having all this footage of Leia with Rose, well, okay, have Leia. Who be would so- have the gravitas, though? And I'll defend Lando's inclusion here a little bit. It's mm-hmm. like who would have had the gravitas in the Star Wars universe to recruit everybody? Because we saw in Last Jedi, uh, Leia wasn't able to bring people together. And again, that was a rushed moment. I get the scenarios are slightly different, but if at the end of this movie you're like, okay, the message actually is we can rally people maybe, to our cause. Maybe Maz Kanata. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You know, thousand, thousand years, thousand I, years old. You know, a lot of knows a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, that was a that was a character wasted by Ryan Johnson. I wanted her. If to we want to talk about JJ wasting Rose Tico, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan Johnson wasted Moss. That's Kanata. fair. Yeah. Right. yeah. I I wanted to actually see her become uh, Finn's role model because that was a really interesting uh, dynamic that they had in the first movie, mm-hmm. and so. For me, anyway, I always kind of felt that Finn was force sensitive, or at least somewhat force sensitive. We can always debate how much. Um, I thought it would be a really interesting thing to have him explore the force through someone like Maz, because we haven't seen that before. We'd only seen the Yoda Obi Wan Jedi right. role. So, so right quick on on Lando, the one thing I'll say that kind of took me out just a little bit, and this is just me. Every time I heard him talk as their Pahia and the Chewie filing on the Falcon, is I kept thinking was the Lego movie. You know, when he when he shows up and because uh, that was Billy D. Williams voicing Lando, Lego Lando in that movie. And I just kept laughing about it. I go like, okay, stop talking stop thinking Lego movie. I have a couple of other things that we were promised in the trailers. Mm-hmm. And I would go be for curious it. to know if you guys thought they delivered. Uh Luke's lightsaber. Because it had been destroyed in the previous film, but we saw it in the trailers, and it, it made its return here. And the other one, um, well, uh, I guess I'll just hear that. You know, I, I, I understand what Ryan Johnson was doing. I thought it was also kind of an unnecessary thing. But however, it's one of those things. I mean, Luke lost his lightsaber in Empire Strikes Back and nobody cried. He came mm-hmm. back with a green lightsaber that everybody thought was cool as hell. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I didn't, I didn't think it necessarily needed to come back. Um, I would have liked to have seen Ray with her own lightsaber which at the get go. Well, she got at the end, but I, I would have liked to seen it at, at the get go, but it seems to me that again, that's one of those, everybody likes the Skywalker saber. I mean, it's I, the ex- I it's want the Excalibur. Of the I saga. want one. Yeah. But you know. it was part of the story too. Right. Because like they, like the two sabers, like, like was very clear. Make sure you bring both sabers to Exegol. Um, and like, that's how you're going to ultimately. See, and that kind of bothered me as well. Not to take, not yeah. to take anything away from Leia or anything, but we only found out that Leia had a lightsaber like five minutes prior. And suddenly that's, oh, that paired with Luke's or Anakin's really mm-hmm. is right. going really it again, I'm going to sound like a, just a, a jerk here, but I mean, really that Skywalker saber, that's the entire Skywalker family that should have been, you shouldn't need a second lightsaber to defeat the emperor. I don't know. It, it just seemed that, that seemed me. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, can I, I say, I mean, yeah. I was going to say, um, I thought that it would have been an interesting choice because realistically, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, it would have been an interesting choice for instead of Luke having Leia's lightsaber for her to have kept it and to have given it to Leia, to uh, Ray before she sets off, like saying, okay, we broke. That's a good you, idea. You and my, you and my son shattered my father's lightsaber, but you need one still and you don't know how to make one because you haven't gotten that far in the reading, in the summer reading. So here's mine. I, I put it down, give her that. I mean, and I know that, you know, obviously Carrie Fisher passed away. She can't be around to say it. Or even give that give that voice to Billy, give that, that information to but Billy they, Lord. But they actually, actually use the, they actually use some uh, um, voiceover artists right. to, to that have done like Princess Leia's voices and other things. So, they, I mean, they could have. I, I like that idea. Just or, because it would have been powerful for her to say look this is something i could not do or for my choice but you can do this if she's you know if ray is training with leia's lightsaber or her own lightsaber or whatever and before she goes off on her Journey, mission right. hey look kid i mended you know mm-hmm. the skywalker saber keep this with you because right. you know the you know the two of them together you know will like you you know, power gray skull. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right. There's many ways you could have done it. I mean, I find it interesting that, okay, okay, and maybe getting back around, the idea that Ray, after defeating Kylo Ren and finally learning everything about her past, her choice is to do the same thing Luke did. Fly to Octo, crash land you know, Kylo's uh, uh, TIE fighter and then just simply just burn it to the ground and go like I'm going I'm to end up here I don't care what anybody else says so I'm, I'm stealing Kevin Smith's thunder here but he uh, you know there's a lot of things in the movie and talking about that lightsaber is one of them you know Ryan Johnson has that lightsaber split in half mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams like no screw you I'm going to mend it mm-hmm. You know, smashes Kylo Ren's helmet, and then the first thing you see is he, you know, glues it back together. You know, Snoke is sliced in half. I'm going to put two of them in formaldehyde jars. You know, Luke Skywalker throws the lightsaber the first time he gets it, and then when we go back to Octo, he catches it and says a lightsaber should be treated, you know, with more respect. There does seem to be a lot of elements in there where it's like, you know, you could see JJ just kind of going, you know. Do that, I'll do this. You know, that's why I want to see them on stage 
<laughs> a celebration. <laughs> a celebration. I, I, I want to see them on stage and somebody asking them about this, you know, because and I don't I don't care that there's, you know, I think it, it builds interest. But I I think it also and this is, again, the, the tangent, I think I think Lucasfilm is not as focused as it once was or it should be. Or it should be, well, yeah. I mean, because it's like it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. But I, I will I, say that that moment where Luke Force Luke catches the lightsaber and says that line, I loved it because it played off of that initial moment. Because it's clearly calling back to the Last Jedi and Luke dismissing it. Yeah, and and Luke and having course, learned something. Well, yeah. of course, and he learned yeah. something. But it's also that idea of he's recognizing where where Ray is. It's the idea of a master knowing, okay, when she's telling him all this stuff and he says, no, I came here out of fear, which is the same thing you're doing. And then helping, he's still teaching her. He's still being uh, a master, a sensei, so to speak, to her. Just, okay, you, you're making the same mistake I did. Don't do that, kid. Go out and don't do And I still love the fact that he still puts it on her and says, look, you know, you can take all this on if you want to, or but I can't help you. This is on you. Um, but that aspect of, calling back to the earlier movie and kind of juxtaposing sure. where Luke was. Uh, all I kept thinking of is, you know, uh, as I see uh, Mark Hamill, it's like, well, of course he ended up a burnout, hip, you know, a long-haired hippie, you know, living out in a van out in the middle of the desert. That's what Luke Skywalker would have ended up doing. So seeing that guy now kind of sort of having accepted his mistakes is sure. good. Yeah. So used another, la- another yeah, thing. The last big promise that I got from the trailers was Endor and Death Star 2. Um, and I'm just curious, like, if you guys felt like that delivered. That just has confused everybody. And listening they don't to, call it end. They call it in the Endor system, but it's not Endor. It's well, not I mean, move. so it makes sense that if, well, first of all, let me, let me back off. Have you ever seen, um, well, I guess Robot Chicken did it. <laughs> but then also it was, there was also a little animated thing where, you know, all the Ewok, you know, Death Star blows up and all the Ewoks are dancing around and then all of a sudden all the chunks of Death Star is falling on them mm-hmm. and it's just catastrophic. You know, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, no, and then but, it kind of got to a point that I was thinking of, as mentioned off air, just the idea of, you know, the final battle after the first, the final order is defeated. All of a sudden all the Star Destroyers are falling out of the sky and I'm like, okay, uh, should, should, should we get out of the way here? Is that not going to do damage to the planet? Maybe not blow up planets, but... You know, if you're standing underneath where that's falling, goodbye. So, so here's the the thing that um, makes everybody confused, mm-hmm. um, because, and I saw this just recently. They said, you know, Endor is the planet, the gas giant, and and the Ewoks live on the, the forest, forest moon. moon we Endor. all just we all just call it Endor. Endor. So I think we all, our expectations were when we're going to Endor, we're going to see a bunch of Ewoks. We're going to be on the forest. And that's when people saw the ocean and grass. They were like, what? But, you know, of course I'm thinking, you know, only in Star Wars does a planet have a single biome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Correct. But um, it's, uh, let's see here. I remember, um, gosh, it's like almost everything in the Endor system is called Endor. Like if you look at Wikipedia, I think I remember somebody saying that and it's, um, so my, yeah, my expectations were when, sure, it makes sense that the Death Star is going to fall on different planets of, 
you know, that system. Um, but my expectation was we're going to the forest moon and we're going to see Ewoks and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's what you were going with. Bit of a bit of a disappointment in that sense. Well, I mean, a, a little bit, but yeah. you know, but again, that was, that would have been, it was, it wouldn't be necessary. I mean, right. Um, I, well, so she's going there to get the Sith wayfinder, which first of all, the first one, did you realize that the first one that Kylo got was in the remains of Vader's castle on Mustafar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We made mention of that. Yeah. That's, that's in the, ago. that's in the, uh, a visual dictionary as well. And it's like, you know, like I talked about earlier, so why are there trees? I mean, that was all lava. So again, that kind of to... makes sense, though, if you think about it. Vader, Vader had one, and Palpatine had one. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you know, so we got to go to the. Um, Can we got to go right quick. Yeah. Is there a problem with the fact that they're calling them Wayfinders, not Jedi holocron or Sith holocrons? Because I don't think they're necessarily a holocron. I think. Okay. I think they're specific, like just for that. They're just a, basically a compass. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think I'm it sorry. was a way to find their way to Exegol, but it could have been information in a holocron. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit, but I don't think it was, I mean, I find it interesting that they decided to put it on a different planet in the Endor system. If you're going to go all fan servicey, then, well, then of course it wouldn't be Jana saying, Hey, it stuff's over there. It would have been wicked going, you know, yeah. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, okay, so another thing, okay, I'm, this may be pedantic and I'll answer questions. The idea of the knife that she pulls out the little piece. That's a Goonies it reference, it's, isn't it? It's exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Okay, did, did the guy come in and take perfect measurements and that's how he cut his knife? And By then, the way, I knew that. I learned that was a Goonies reference. You want to really lay into me. Britt already has, like, chastised me for this. I've never seen Goonies. What? How? Yeah, you're gonna have to rectify that at some never, point. Never, yeah, never saw Goonies. I own Goonies, That's but right. I still understand that that was a reference, you know. So. <laughs> That's the thing. It's 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 like I'm just trying to think. How did you get out of the '80s not seeing Goonies? It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Just because, like, the daggers presented as like some ancient Sith artifact, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like no, it's no, all, we made it. We carved it last week. <laughs> yeah, it's like 15 years old at max, right? It's yeah. But uh, in terms of uh, Endor and the Death Star, I think, like I said, I, it worked more for me once Ray got in there, and she's she's repeating her act from the start of Force Awakens. She's climbing yeah, I the like wreckage. That moment. Yeah. She is climbing the wreckage of the past to try to fight for the future, but at the same time, you know, it's still all moments like like there was a moment when she's walking down this hallway that's tilting to the side and it's full of water and there's just discarded stormtrooper armor everywhere and i kept thinking it was just like you know geez i wonder what they're gonna do with all that you know it would make it, it makes sense that that wayfinder would be on death star 2 because that was the last place that palpatine, palpatine was, was. it right. wouldn't have been on coruscant you mm-hmm. know in his you know palace, palace or whatever because that's something he would have kept close mm-hmm. um and so did vader he kept it at mustafar yeah and so that idea of you know the rule of two the idea they don't trust one another which leads me to wonder did vader ever make it to exegol what i what i have a bigger problem with though with mm-hmm. the wayfinder is that it looked like the flux capacitor when plugged into a tie fighter or x-wing i just i i think it was a holocron <laughs> <laughs> well yeah they got all the wires connected to it i'm like okay is there a usb i thought this was a galaxy yeah. far far away you know why does this look like out of radio shack 
So I, you know, I just, I just find it really interesting. This whole, the whole topic thing we're talking about tonight is just, um, why, why do you lay these red herrings? You know, is it, is it to get people like us to start talking about it? I mean, or because you know that we're like, Oh my God, we're going to have Sith troopers. And then you're going to have half the internet that's really ticked off because you only see Sith troopers for like five minutes. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, I'm going to take, you know, okay, kids, I'm going to take you to, you know, Disneyland, but we only get to go for, you know, an hour. I'm going to take you to Disneyland, but we're just going to drive up One to the ride. front. We're going to get a drive to the front. We're going to turn right back around. We're going to drive back out. Or you, you all, Disneyland? Or we're going to go to Disneyland. You only get to go on one ride. You know, it's, it's the teacups. So, <laughs> so it's you, emblematic of what we've been talking about, I think, which is trying to please everybody and ended up, you kind of end up pleasing nobody in the process. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, I think hindsight, just write the movie, tell the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tell the story. And I think you're right. It was like too many things we're trying to get in there that, you know, yeah, I really dug, I really dug Jana, you know, but when you come down to, well, it's again, another thing I used to talk with when you're working with teachers on, um, on lesson design, you know, and all the things that a teacher wants to tell their students, there's tons of stuff, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you have to decide, is it nice to have, or is it necessary? And that's a tough thing for people to deal with that. This little bit of information I want to give you is really nice to have. And I think it's really important, but it's not necessary to this lesson. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, JJ took all of these nice to have things and crammed them into this lesson when he probably, even as much as I complain about the su- the summer reading, he should have, yeah, these things are nice to have, but I'll let somebody write a book about that or I'll let somebody do a comic book about that or I'll let somebody explain that in the visual dictionary. So your point is well taken is that they're just crammed too much junk into here. Now, that being said, let's remind everybody, really like the movie. It's right. fun. Um, but you, you, you can't really go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're, mean, you better as, not. As, as, it's a good thing that you went to the bathroom on the second viewing and not the first. So if, if anything, this discussion is a critique of the marketing more than it is of the actual film itself, because we're, we're talking about things that we were shown and whether they delivered. And in a lot of the cases they didn't. Um, and that's, that was on them. They chose to reveal those things and chose to promote those things. And, uh, and- I always think there's a fine line because unlike, say, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or most other um, major genre properties, Star Wars gets the benefit of you do not know what this episode story is going to be. Everybody's going to walk in and they're going to see it and they're not going to know what's in there because it's not an adaptation. This is not a reimagining. This is not a, you know, they're sequels or they're, con- they're continuations. They're not, it's not even a true sequel in sense because they're not, they're not repeating every beat per se. They're making it rhyme, but it's unique. Every, sure. every you know, planet's by and large are going to be different. Characters are going to be new. So they get that advantage. The disadvantage of that is you have to convince the audience to come back every time. So sometimes the problem is you do end up having to show a little bit you want to how much of that do you show how much of it do you does it hurt i mean does it help the movie that you know that walking in that palpatine is there imagine if you had no idea that palpatine was involved in this and the very first thing is the dead speak 
here comes Emperor you know, Palpatine. And that How was, would you have reacted to that? that? I mean, our friend Scott, that was his criticism of that uh, first trailer. He told Sally not to watch the trailer because mm-hmm. he said that's a big spoiler right off it the is. bat. So, you know, because you hear the Emperor's cal- cackle, you know, mm-hmm. so I can, you know. But then we talk about going in with no expectations, but the fact of the matter is, is a good marketing department knows how to build expectations or manage expectations without getting over and sometimes you have to give out you have to give up some information in order for the audience to be cognizant of what they're getting into because if you go in there and you had no idea like if you had never seen did not see a trailer had read not a thing you walk in and the first things we tell you is palpatine is back somebody would have got well i tell you that the the trailers actually um heard somebody else say this this is a good point that Mm -hmm. i mean the trailers really told you nothing about the story no Right. And really kind of showed you the same footage over and over again. But, I mean, told you nothing about the story. And that was... Until the very end, there, mm-hmm. was, a, uh, there was a short trailer with that revealed the Ben had been hearing voices and that those voices... Yeah, had right. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was a little mini... Actually, they took the little mini scene at the start of the movie where he goes to Exegol and he, you know, when Palpatine is talking to him and does that reveal of, oh, no, I was the voice inside your head all this time. Yeah. Um, but you know it's it's important and that's kind of the dynamic that I mean we talk about movies as pieces of art and ultimately that's what they are but they're also a product and that's always been the balance of where the how do you how do you manage that expect that that aspect sure. of we can't you know it's not just here comes Star Wars and everybody gets to have it for free no we're trying to get you to buy a ticket we're trying to get you to buy a toy we're trying to get you to buy the soundtrack we need you to support all this because we poured hundreds of millions of dollars into it so we need that investment back so they need to know how to sell that to you in order for you to sure it's radio is not about the music it's about the advertising exactly the the songs are all about keeping you around so we can sell you tires and whatnot well way to make me more cynical there Fredo. (laughs) that's what we're here for so Cool. Well, any any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, just regarding, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, regarding uh, what you were saying about Endor and about Kala. And I just, I was, I was just taken aback to how they did a good job of, this is the, the movie I think that we've seen the most worlds. You know, whether, you know, I'm talking about being positive Attack about this. Attack of the Clones might, might rival been, that. Might have, okay, might be. World the only, 1 would be my guess because they're just flying all over the place. Sure. True, but in this, I mean, this one, we go to a number of different places. They, Whether you approve of it or whether you don't, they did a good job of giving you different environments, different dynamics, and different places. And, uh, and I appreciated that because sometimes, I mean... It is fun. Yeah, hey, look, we're going to spend the whole first third of this movie in Hoth. And then we're going to spend the whole middle part of this movie in Dagobah. <laughs> and then we're going to spend the last part in Cloud City. Okay, cool. That's awesome. By the way, did you not like seeing Cloud City as the as the Star Destroyer falls behind it? Okay, we're going to have to talk about that. That might be in <laughs> another episode, but I thought it was totally... I mean, well, obviously it was the exact same as... Return, Return of the, the Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, the just, special yeah. edition. It was just unnecessary. It mm. made me go, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mean, see, and then remember you talked about uh, uh, Warwick Davis and uh, looking at Wicked, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wicked, and you got to see him in 
And the movie, and I'm like, I and again, would see him before that. Well, point. and again, that would have been it. Would have made much more sense to have him maybe even riding a horse with Jenna. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. if, so well, been, that would have been an interesting dynamic having the Ewoks with those former uh, troopers. Former troopers, mm-hmm. just just uh, again, that's it. Making can, peace. You know, and so I guess this makes you wonder how much you know how much a director and a story writer goes back and like hindsight is 2020 going, ah, well, of course George Lucas did that with the special editions, but I mean, you're not going to go change story beats. He changed special effects stuff. Right. But I mean, if they went back and went, oh man, yeah, that would have been a better idea. Oh man. I think a lot of that comes back in that you get so rushed. And Mm -hmm. again, whether they had another five months or another year, it probably would have smoothed some of that stuff out. Mm -hmm. But you don't have time to think about story when you're like, I got to get this shot right. And I got to make sure that all the extras are getting paid on time. And but but the story should have been right and in the can before you even start to do the shots. Or you know even, what I mean? yeah, you should and, have all the elements in the can. And then when you get into the editing room, that's when you can sit down and go, okay, how is this story going to be told? I think in a perfect world, that's absolutely the case. But we also know that in Hollywood, a lot of the times that doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. They were locked into the release date. Yeah. And whatever happens, we're putting a movie out on this date. So, Well, in an effort to solve all the problems in the Star Wars universe, we so accomplished not. nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, But uh, it was a good discussion. Um, and it, it will make me, you know, again, you get more cynical as you get older. But, you know, it is, makes you watch a trailer a little bit more with skepticism because there is a lot of stuff that, you know, you're, you're sold and then it doesn't end up in a movie for one reason or another. But we talked uh, about solos marketing being kind of a failure and I almost feel like this was almost worse um, in some respects because it just, it didn't paint a very accurate picture. I feel like the Palpatine reveal, again, like you said, would it have been more effective to have that come in the movie? I understand the decision why you want to sell more tickets, but you know, would it have been more effective for the, for the fans uh, to have that reveal come during the movie itself? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, until next time, this is Dave and Fredo and Aaron signing off from the Hudat Jedi and uh, um, find us on Podbean, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, tell your friends and, Hopefully you're enjoying things, so uh, we'll have more Star Wars discussion coming up in a week. So until then, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? My monkey.